Uh, again, thank you for having me and my family here all day. It's been a, it's a great blessing. It's been a uh, great time to spend with all of y'all. Tonight we're going to talk about our last part of Sunday's Best before we get there do a little recap. This morning we talked about what it means to really love God extravagantly, uh, to really give Him our all. This afternoon we looked at that God looks more than just appearance. He looked at David's heart and we want to thought, kind of think about the self. And then tonight we're going to talk about covering up for a little bit. Start off, uh, before I started coming to church, uh, I never knew what a four-year was. Anybody know, like, that's, that's one of those words you don't use, right? Four-year? Why do you talk about four years? I'm not an architect major or anything like that. Uh, but you learn uh, when you start coming to church for long enough what a four-year is. Half of these guys in the front row are like, what's a four-year? Uh, it's when you first walk into the buildings where all the people congregate. Uh, and then you go through like the, the, the football line of handshakes, right? And you're, How you doing? It's nice to see you. You know, give the guy a handshake. You run over here. Uh, one of the questions that always killed me when I first started coming to church was, how are you doing? Fine, 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 fine. Thanks for asking. Fine. Uh, and then you go, next guy, how are you doing? Fine, fine, fine. It was great. Good seeing you. Great speak last week. Oh, so what would you think about that football game? Oh, it's great, great. Great game. Couldn't expect anything more out of Alabama, you know, or whatever. You're filling your team. Tennessee, I guess, right here. Uh, Memphis, we don't really talk about football because we're in Memphis. Uh, this year, though, this year, so I'm going to a bowl game. In case the neighbor's like, Memphis is a football team? Exactly. Uh, but anyways, we go through this four-year process, and what happens in that is we learn to cover things up, don't we? We were taught, you never go up to the guy in the four-year, how are you doing? This might have been the worst week of my life. Like, somebody give that kid some help, okay? Somebody call somebody, is there a therapist around here or something? You know, how are you doing? My parents aren't doing too good, I just need to pray. I don't know how to do that. We, don't, we just say everything's fine. You just go to the next guy. Come on. Uh, we don't say that stuff, do we? I've, never, I've been in four years now for years hanging out. I've never heard anybody break down into four years and say that they've been struggling. I know people every week. I know there's tons and probably dozens of people to walk into this building this morning who are having major, major struggles in their life. And they walked right through there, and I bet somebody this morning asked, how are you doing? You know what their response was? Fine, 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 fine. Everything's good. It's not true, is it? We put on a mask. We hide everything up. We don't want to tell everybody how bad our life is sometimes. We don't want to tell everybody that the farthest thing that you want to, the farthest place you want to be right now is in a church. You want to be home crying. You're struggling. It was tough for you to even get out of bed this morning. It's tough for you to go to work Monday. It's tough for you. School's too much for you sometimes. We don't like to say that. It gets weird. It gets awkward real quick. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, we don't talk about feelings in here. You're going to make everything a little weird. But the truth is, the early church, and I want to think about this for just a minute, the early church, especially Acts chapter 2, is a place where people spent time together. It's a place where people really loved one another. It's a place where people knew each other. It's a place where you could open up and say, I need you to pray with me. It's a place where if I had a burden, I was going to pass it off and say, bear this burden with me. I don't know how we got from Acts chapter 2, especially in verses 42 through 48 there, to fine, everything's fine. We have diluted church so much that I think we've lost its meaning. We come into this building, and you would be thought, if you came up here and you just started breaking down crying in a foyer when somebody asked you how you're doing, people would start calling people to come help you. I don't know what to do with that person. I, I really truly believe the church is a place where we can come, we can uncover where we can take our mask off, where we can say, everything's not fine in my life right now. I'm falling apart right now. I need your prayers right now. I need you to come talk to me right now. I need this. But it's not a lot of times. Galatians chapter two, uh, 6, verse 2, 
one of the, the most beautiful verses in the Bible for real fellowship. It says, it says, bear one another's burdens. When's the last time you asked somebody at church to bear a burden with you? When's the last time that you asked somebody, you went up, I cannot handle this. As my brother or sister in Christ, I want you to take this burden and we're going to bear it together. You haven't in a while, if you're anything like me. You know why? I can do it myself. I'm a big boy. I'm strong. I'm tough. I can handle this. Figure out the solution. I don't need to ask God for this. I got this. Don't worry about this. I'm fine today. Don't, don't worry about me. I, I can handle this all on my own. You bear your own burdens. I'm going to bear mine. That wasn't the way the early church was ever meant to be set up. Yet, so many of us have changed church into, I'm fine. Tonight we're going to look at just a little bit about covering up and about David covering up and us uncovering ourselves to God. Uh, so many times in the Bible, Jesus just goes off on the Pharisees. That's the only way to put it. Matthew chapter 23 is a whole chapter devoted there to Jesus telling the Pharisees what they're doing wrong, right? Uh, I love what he puts in Matthew chapter 23, verse 5, the first part there, it says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Good thing the church doesn't have any Pharisees left in it, right? There's so many of us who are putting on a show. There are so many of us in here that are being hypocritical in our worship. There's so many of us that are coming in here so people are going to look at us. And you know what we're doing? We can go ahead and go to the next slide. Is we're covering up everything. Every part of our Christianity, every part of our spiritualities trapped somewhere deep inside us behind a whole wall of mess. Mark chapter 7, verses 6 and 8. Uh, this, is, this is quoting the, the prophet Isaiah, and it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There's so many weekends where I come into worship and I wonder if this verse is talking about me. I wonder if I come in here and I can sing these songs and I can tell people I'm doing fine. I can tell people when they come say they need prayers, yeah, okay, and I'm really going to try to pray for you. And I wonder where my heart is. I wonder where my heart is when, I, when, I, when I'm in worship sometimes. And I wonder if I'm not just like these people when he says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are so, so, so far away. We can go and click on it. Covering up. We've gotten really good at covering up. As churches, as youth groups, it's amazing to me working with youth groups. When you go into a group and you know there's 50 or 60 kids and everybody looks like they've got everything together, and it's almost funny to me at this point because working with teenagers as long as I have, you know there's probably very few people in there that have gotten anything together. Most people, when you, when you get this age group together, you all have got struggles going on in your life. You all have got problems. You've got problems with other people. You've got problems with your parents. You've got problems with authority. You've got so many different problems in your life. And you can come into this, young, this room, there's a bunch of young people, and you're like, oh, everything's good. I'm in youth group. Everything's cool. Everything's going to be fine today. And then you go home, and it all falls apart again, doesn't it? Why, why did we turn church into that? This is the place you come and you say, Bo, I need prayers today. Bo, when Bo asks, he says, is there anybody that needs any special prayers? You're like, I've got like a thousand. Just we'll start with me and end with me. And we'll just go all the, through the list. And we don't do that though. We cover everything up. I found this, uh, these are some quotes I found a couple of years ago. Uh, through, I was reading, uh, it was a blog, and this, she was a little girl, and she was a preacher's daughter. 
And she said that she started covering everything up. She struggled her whole life. She's never honest with anybody about it until years later, and she wrote this blog. And I'm going to get somebody to come read it. Justin. I'm going to get Justin to come up here. I'm going to get him to read. Uh, this is, these are quotes from a girl that I found a couple years ago. Because I figured they would think I was a gigantic sinner see the real me, and discover that I was not perfect. I eventually got to the point where I was more comfortable being alone and bitter than having to hide who the real me was in front of everyone. I feel so alone, and I can't talk to anyone about it. Everyone is looking at me and talking about me. Are you concerned that if people knew who you really are and how you really felt, they wouldn't understand? You may feel like you always have to be the perfect example and have to keep your true feelings inside. Eventually, I placed a beautiful, fake Christian mask on my face, thinking I could fool everyone. I figured as long as I looked like the perfect Christian to everyone in the church, no one would ever know of my faults or judge me. I wouldn't let anyone down. I would get up Sunday after Sunday and look perfect, smile at everyone, sing the songs at the top of my lungs, and always be right where I was supposed to be in my yearly Bible reading. As far as the congregation knew, I never skipped my devotions. I was on target in my prayer life and I never sinned. I thought I had them fooled, but soon found out that the one I was fooling most was me. With this fake Christian mask comes deceit. With deceit comes numbness, and eventually you wake up one morning thinking you've successfully fooled the congregation and even God. When you are numb to who and what you really are, you can no longer feel the genuine presence of God. That is the worst place you could ever find yourself. She, she gets to this point where she says she's not even honest with herself anymore. She's struggling. She can't ask for prayers because she thinks people will judge her. This is a preacher's daughter here. She can't even open up to the congregation. So she's got this life and she's hiding it all inside and she's putting this mask on and she's struggling. How many of us in here do not have a mask on? How many of us in here are struggling? How many of us, when, when somebody said this morning, how are you doing? You wanted to pour out, I'm not okay. There's so many of us in here tonight that have got sin all in our life. Somebody says, do you need me to pray for anything? I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good? We're not good, are we? Let's go, go to the next slide, please. Hit it one more time. Secret sin's a problem with a lot of us. So a lot of us in here, we, we don't want to make eye contact with anybody right now because we know there's stuff going on in each of our lives. You know what we do? Put the suit on. Got a tie. Got a blazer this morning. You know, you know I'm doing well if I've got the blazer on, right? Everything's covered up by our suit and tie. Did the sin go anywhere? Has our sin left our lives for one second? It hadn't. We've covered everything up in our life. We've covered all our sins. We've done all these different things. We haven't escaped anybody. Years later, we're going to have the same struggles we are right now because we've never learned to deal with our problem. The church would never, was never there to bear our burdens with us, was never there to, to fellowship with us, to pray with us. This is a group, hopefully, as you're going home tonight in the church van, if you've got something you're struggling with, you just say, guys, I want to pray right now. As y'all are leaving tonight, I want to, before you get out of this building, say, I want to meet up as a group and I want to pray together. I want to do this for real. I'm done putting on the mask. I'm done putting on the show for everybody. I'm ready to get rid of the sin in my life and I'm ready to let God have, have a part in it. We've got, to quit, we've got to 
quit putting on the mask. Uh, next slide, please. We're going to watch uh, this a video. If you can click it, hopefully it works. Here's the funny thing about people. We all like to look good, to make a good impression, to show everyone else we have it all together. Even though none of us do, the only way to pull this off is to put something else on. And that something is called a mask. A mask can help you get a job. I have over 12 years of consumer electronics experience playing video games in my parents' basement. It can make you look smarter. Organizational energies to maximize corporation synergy. I have no idea what I'm saying. And more dateable. I can't believe you're single. And I can't believe it's, you're 25. I'm not single. I'm not 25. We use our mask to impress people. 65 inch LED TV. Oh, it was gorgeous. It was like only this thick. I mean, you know, it's expensive and all, but it is the best. You so much debt. We use them to fool people. I thought I was going the speed limit, officer. We even use them to protect the feelings of the people we love. That was a beautiful song, sweetie. I'm pretty sure you're tone deaf. I think I'm just gonna walk to school today. Cause I'm kinda embarrassed to be seen with you. He sounds like a great guy. What are you thinking? You do not look fat in those jeans. So that's why they call it a muffin top. We all wear masks from time to time, but the craziest place we put them on is in church. Hello, brother. Amen. Greetings to you on this day that the Lord has made. Something about it makes us want to look our best. I'm fine. Sound our best. He hath blessedeth me so verily. And make like everything's perfect. Things are great. But behind every perfect mask is a perfectly messed up life. People with hearts that are empty, confused, addicted, hopeless, helpless, and hurting. People who think But here's the thing This is exactly the kind of life where God shows up Messes are his specialty The one thing God can't work with Is a mask So around here we have a saying It's okay To not be okay Nobody's perfect But grace is available we believe God doesn't love us, if or because. He loves us anyway. We all like to look good to others. We like to make a good impression. But when it comes to God, the best impression we could make is to just be you. So we're going to look at David just for a couple of minutes here. David, 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you have your Bibles tonight, that's where we're going to be there, and we'll get into chapter 12 just a little bit, and then end up in Psalm 51. Uh, David, 2 Samuel chapter 11, he's supposed to be, he's got his, he's got his guys off fighting for war, he decides he's going to stay at home, uh, we, most of us in here, we're from, pretty familiar with this story, so David decides he's at home, he's not fighting with the guys this time, he walks out onto his rooftop balcony, he sees Bathsheba, Bathsheba, she's bathing, 
he, he asks his buddy, he says, who's that over there? The guy says, that's Bathsheba. You know him. That's Uriah's wife. You know, he knows Uriah. Uriah's a soldier. Uh, but anyways, uh, so David thinks, okay, we'll see what happens there. Uh, calls are over. Things get, go a little too far. Uh, things, bad things happen. The, the first point I want to talk about is impulsive decisions, okay? As teenagers, this is what, one of the things that we struggle with most. As an adult, I still struggle with making these impulsive decisions. And let me tell you this. When you make these decisions, these spur-of-the-moment decisions, and think everything's going to be fine, it never works out, does it, for us? Like, as an adult, there's so many things. I look back as a teenager, and I was like, what in the world was I thinking? You know, like, how did I justify that even in my head? And this is one of those moments where David makes this impulsive decision to call Bathsheba over, and it's one of those moments where he's like, you can tell years later, he's like, oh, that, I don't know. But anyways, he makes this decision, this impulsive decision. It ends up not going real well for him. Because uh, sometime after this, uh, one of David's servants comes up. And he says, well, Bashi was pregnant. And David's like, okay, what do you do now? And this is the predicament. Because all of us are going to make impulsive decisions. Uh, if we're in here and we're 15, we're going to make impulsive decisions. And we're in here, we're 80, we're going to make impulsive decisions. Uh, that's, that's part of being human. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall short of God's grace. We're going to do it time and time and time again. Here's where the problem in lies. The, the next slide is it, it's called DIY. I don't know if any of y'all, uh, have y'all's moms in here or wives or anybody you know watches that channel. There's actually a channel called Do-It-Yourself Network. Okay, and it's for people uh, like me who are really talented at fixing things that need just a little bit of help. No, actually, I'm pretty horrible. I'm going to share a story with you real quick. Uh, So me and Jenny, we bought our first house in Milan, Tennessee. Uh, we, we bought this house, and it's a beautiful house out in the middle of this field, and it was out in the country, and we loved it. And one day the toilet quits working, and it just stops, and the water won't come. And so I, I've, I'm convinced I can fix anything because I have a computer and Google and YouTube videos, and why can't I fix it is the question. Uh, so I decided I can do this, right? I don't need anybody's help. I'm, not, I'm definitely not calling a plumber. They got like $200 an hour. Who does the time? You know, not doing that, right? So I, get, I look, Google it. Of course, probably frozen pipes is what it says. So all I need is a hair dryer and an extension cord, and I'm going to crawl underneath the house and thaw these bad boys out. Uh, that's what I thought. So I grab my hair dryer, I get like two extension cords, I crawl underneath the crawl space, I find a frozen pipe, and I start, I just start melting that stuff. I'm, I'm blow drying it underneath the house. I'm like army crawled underneath there. And then all I hear is screaming, uh, and it's like panic, and like it's where you hit your head trying to get out of the house, and your army crawling as fast as you can. Like you, I take off and run into the house, and my wife's just running around like something's destroyed. And what I had these two guys that were actually living with me at the time, Preston and Matt, and I run into the bathroom, and I'll never forget the water shooting straight out of the toilet and hitting the ceiling. And the guy, one of the guys living with me, he's got a towel, and he's fighting the toilet, and he's trying to beat it back down. And those are those moments where your wife reminds you, you can't do everything yourself. And you're like, okay, maybe not. Uh, it's probably better that time if I would have called a plumber. He probably would have known the problem. Water wouldn't have probably hit and, you know, wouldn't have to worry about the cleanup, all these things. But how many times in our life do we have this huge, huge, huge problem? And what's the first reaction? You don't ask God. You're not coming to church and saying, Bo, I need you to help me with this spiritually. What's the first reaction when we have a problem in our life? I can do this myself. I can Google this. I can fix this. I have an addiction. Okay, I might have a small addiction, but there's nothing, there's no reason I can't handle this myself, right? It's just a little addiction. It's just, it just maybe affects my life just a little bit, right? I can do it myself. 
That's what David does. David has these solutions. They're, they're, he thinks, they're, I guess, they're brilliant. The first one is he thinks, well, it's easy. Uriah's at, he's at war. He's 40 miles away. I'm going to get him to come back. Uh, I'm going to get David to go lay down with Uriah. I mean, to, to get Uriah to go lay down with Bathsheba. This is foolproof. There's nothing going to go wrong with that. Of course, Uriah comes back and he says, well, King David, I'm never going to leave your side. And he sleeps at his doorstep. So David's like, oh, what am I going to do now? I've got it. We just need to get a little alcohol involved. And he's going to get a little tipsy. And then I'm going to send him over and she, he's going to lay down with Bathsheba. Doesn't work again. Last plan that was brilliant. So he says, so he won't go lay down with Bathsheba. He's too loyal. I'm going to go put him on the front line and see what happens. Rye dies. Rye passes away. All because David thought I had to do it myself. I don't have to ask for help. I can do all of this myself. If you get into that trap where you mess up and you make this impulsive decision, don't think that you have to fix everything yourself. I always wonder, what would happen if David would have just asked for help? If David would have asked for forgiveness right there? If David would have repented with all his heart right at that moment, what would have happened in David's life? Proverbs 28.13 says this, If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. If you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. Why do we keep hiding our sins from God? Why do we keep trying to fix these ourselves? The last point I want to make is this, is it uncovering. Psalm 32, verse 3 says this, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He's talking about when he doesn't open up and when he doesn't talk about things, he feels like he's just wasting away. How many times have you felt in your life, in your life that you're just wasting away? You've got a secret, you've got some secret sin deep down in your life, and you're just wasting away because you won't tell anybody. So many of us tonight are struggling. So many of us tonight have got masks on. Everybody in this church thinks that you've got it all together and you think they're the craziest people in the world because that's the furthest thing from the truth. If we're struggling tonight, I want to think David messes up. He messes up bad. He tries to fix it himself and makes things worse and it just gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. They end up losing the baby. But you know what happens? Nathan comes to him. Nathan comes to David and he tells him this, this little parable. He's about this guy and he's got all these sheep. He says this guy's got all these beautiful sheep and he's got, there's this one guy and he's got this, this beautiful sheep and he says he treats the sheep so well. He only has one because he's a poor man and he feeds the sheep even his own food. And it's David's getting madder and madder as Nathan tells him this story. And David keeps to the point, he's just angry at the end of the story. And Nathan looks at him and says, you are the man. You're the man. And that's when it finally hits David, all the mistakes he's made. I think we have Nathans in our life all day long saying, you are the man, you're messing up. And we're like, no, I can fix this. You don't get it, God. I can handle this myself. And God's saying, take off the mask and come talk to me. Quit trying to fix everything yourself. Tonight, quit, quit trying to pretend like everything's okay. If you need prayers, come talk to me. What we're going to do in a second is we're going to offer an invitation. And we're going to do it this way. If you want to come pray with me, I'm going to walk up to the balcony afterwards. You don't have to walk up here to the front. Uh, you can come up there with me. I'm going to be up there praying and I want to pray for anybody tonight that has anything they want to pray for. If you want to talk about something serious, if you want to just say uh, something that's going on in your life, if you want to come pray with me, I'm going to go up to the balcony, 
as we offer an invitation song this morning. But I, I want to think about Psalm 51 as we do this. We're going to get uh, Justin Jackson. Jackson. Justin the Jackson. Jackson's going to come up here, and he's going to read Psalm 51. And from Psalm 51, if y'all can go ahead and stand up, everybody here stand up as he reads Psalm 51. He's going to go into that, and then immediately from there, Blake's going to start lean singing. And I'm going to head up to the balcony if anybody wants to come up here and pray with me in just one second. All right, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit.